welcome, welcome everyone to episode 33 of the Eaton Asphalt Podcast. And like tires on a rainy, rainy day, we're ready to roll. I am Marco along with my co-host as always, Ian. Ian, we had a nice little weekend off. Uh, are you uh, are you excited for the race? How you feeling? How you been? How was your week off? I think I'm ready. The week off was good. I'm a little bit nervous about the rain as always. Still a little bit of a spa hangover, but yeah, at the same time ready to get racing again and yeah, we're just ready for turkey, you big turkey. Uh, gobble, gobble, and let's get this going. So, uh, as always, we're going to look into what we're going to go over in this podcast today. So, we're going to start off with our recent headlines, hit up a driver's spotlight by yours truly, not me, Ian. And then we're going to talk about the track, we're going to talk about the weather, and then we're going to hit up some race predictions. So... Moving right along, just looking ahead of some recent headlines, looking ahead on the 2022 schedule, uh, there's supposed to be sprint qualifying is expected to make a comeback. Uh, I know between me and Ian, we have been a huge fan of the sprint qualifying. Uh, They're estimating actually about a third of the races could be sprint races. Uh, Next year is going to be a record-setting 23 races, and they're guessing about seven would be sprint. And also, a schedule is supposed to expect it to have multiple triple headers. So, Damn. you know, those back-to-back-to-back early mornings, getting some race, so some little downtime here and there. But I think that's ex- really exciting, and I'm assuming that they would. But, you know, picking the right tracks for these sprint races, I think they've done a great job at determining which ones are the right ones for this format. But, uh, yeah, I think that's really exciting news to look forward to next year. Yeah, a couple things on that. Obviously, the two sprint races that we've had, the Grand Prix, have resulted in Max and Lewis colliding. So, you know, my money's definitely going to be on that happening again, just because I'm a superstitious person. Not superstitious, but a little stitious. Um, And as far as the triple headers go, this was announced on the same day that Landon Norris went on to TV to talk about mental health and um, how F1 is basically a cesspool for a lot of bad mental health practices and like overall the sport's just not really good at handling that so yeah multiple triple headers with all of these guys bouncing all around the world and just like not even having a week between to do anything i don't necessarily think that coincides well with uh the mental health problem in f1 but we'll see how it goes and uh yeah i'm not not envious of those engineers that are getting paid peanuts and have to go basically no sleep for like weeks at a time yeah, especially those ones that uh, certain cars, certain constructors run into a lot of um, engine problems, a lot of crashes, and then they end up spending the entire night trying to fix the the car. So, yeah, to those teams, to those engineers, good luck. Uh, yeah, get some get some sleep during those three months off or so uh, while you can. And moving right along, Cotter or Qatar, however you pronounce it, is making its debut replacing Australia this year. So they are tasked with the huge. Uh, task of making a massive Grand Prix track, um, and yeah, that's coming along slowly but uh, but steadily. Um, thoughts on this? I mean, you said to not be able to see Australia. We didn't get to see it last year, and now we don't get to see it this year either. Yeah, no, that is definitely a huge thing. I feel for you know the Aussie down under, Danny Rick, not getting to go back home again uh, due to all these. Uh, COVID-related cancellations, but I'm very glad that we actually are finding replacements coming up, so I think hopefully we can kind of fill these gaps along, uh, I know, you know, losing 
uh, the ones that some of the Asian tracks um, due to COVID related cancellations. So I'm just glad that we're actually getting something on the board. And, you know, a lot of these tracks are relatively new or have been kind of out of rotation for a number of years. So it's good to kind of get a little change up, see see these, and especially if who knows how long they'll kind of last on the, the yearly circuit. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's great. Hopefully it's a, a cool track. Don't know much about it, but uh, only time will tell. I think this will be interesting to see who has more pull over F1 as a whole, whether it's Mercedes or Red Bull, based off of the type of track, you know. Because if like that argument's going to come up of, okay, if it's you know if it's the if it's a Mercedes type track like Paul Ricard or like Russia, um, or if it's a Red Bull favoring track like you know the like the Red Bull Ring or, or something like that. So yeah, that'll be another kind of sub story that I'm looking out for. Yeah, yeah, always looking for those hidden gems. Moving right along, we have not Formula One, but we're going to talk about a little bit about uh, Formula E. So Formula E reports a 32% rise in audience from a year ago. Uh, this was a big surprise to me just because we had this conversation about Mercedes pulling out of Formula E. Uh, my assumptions was it's losing money, it's kind of going downhill, doesn't have the audience. But the fact that we're seeing you know, a rise in you know a third of what they're typically used to seeing doesn't really make sense to me why mercedes would pull out and you know you have that eco-friendly conscious that uh, narrative that you want to follow and and for them to actually pull out on something that is much more environmentally friendly than formula one I'm not, yeah i'm not really sure what uh, their motive was but uh, then again good for good for that sport uh, i think yeah the more we can get some motor racing um eyes on uh, the better yeah i agree um, the 32% rise is pretty shocking to me. I don't really know anybody who watches Formula E, but yeah, I think, I mean, maybe it's one of those things where it's like, well, yeah, it's like a hundred people watched and now 132 people watched. But, Very yeah. good point. Very good point. <laughs> At the same time, it's, it's cool that it's growing and like, it's always good to see like any kind of racing series grow. So good stuff. Next up we have Red Bull. One of the more interesting things that I've seen as far as headlines within the last couple of days is, uh, yeah, Red Bull revealed that they were holding talks at one point with Lando Norris for him to be one of the charging bulls alongside Max Verstappen. So, um, pretty shocking. I think, you know, it's always like a game of what if, but let me ask you, like, where would you rank Norris in terms of performance between Perez Albon and Gasly if he would have been in that seat in in any of the cars that they drove in I would just assume that there's a there's Norris relatively big gap and then Perez Gasly Albon maybe in that order maybe Gasly Albon maybe like 3A 3B but I don't know. I mean, I'm obviously biased, and and seeing his um, his, his performance this year, you kind of makes you think. It's just hard when you're probably in a better car. I mean, obviously in a better Red Bull car than McLaren, you you would assume that you know he he's going to do better than what we've seen from the second seat of Red Bull. Yeah, I think I would agree. I, I think maybe Perez could give Lando a run for his money, but you know, then again, you're talking about a guy who didn't really have a seat until Red Bull came along, so. Um, yeah, interesting stuff. You know, maybe at some point down the future, Norris would consider like a Red Bull move if Red Bull keeps kind of outperforming the rest of the, like the field other than Mercedes. But at the same time, like McLaren's developed quite a bit, and uh, and yeah, you know, him just kind of starting his F1 career there. I think it'll be at least another contract extension upon the one that already happened this past year. Yeah, absolutely. Moving on, we have Pirelli altering their tire choice for the Turkish GP. Uh, we're going to talk about, obviously, about the track a little bit later and kind of 
what happened in 2020, it was pretty hellish uh, of a race, a lot of rain, um, relatively new paved track that caused a lot of issues for the drivers, a lot of slipping, a lot of, yeah, drivers were not a fan, let's just say that. And so Pirelli altered their tires to go from um, pretty much the, the softest um, compounds that they could. Hopefully, I'm assuming that their thought process is, first of all, I, I believe that they said that they have power washed the asphalt uh really making that like better um for stickier and and better for the drivers uh i i don't know how this is going to really work out i could see these tires just not being able to last i i know it's a, a relatively um intense course so that could actually kind of backfire we're going to see what this what this does and you know how many uh tire changes how many pit stops a lot of these drivers going to need but uh yeah a lot of uh, a move that uh probably made that a lot of people did not see coming yeah I mean, this is just going to be one of those where it's like I don't have enough knowledge to be able to make any kind of prediction, yeah. but it's cool that this is happening and any storyline will eat up just like all the rest of them. Um, next up, signs expected to take a grid penalty for a new power unit in Turkey for the Turkish Grand Prix. Um, I don't really – I don't know if this is completely confirmed yet, but I feel like any time that this has been brought up as a possibility, it's actually happened. Like, you know, you'd much rather take – a huge, uh, you know, a, a huge penalty start from the back, and then maybe salvage a couple points, then be out an engine during the race, not score points, and then start from the back of the grid for the next race. So I think it's it's one of probably going to be a, a pretty conservative choice from Ferrari. But but yeah, thoughts. I mean, if you had to gamble on it, is it going to be this race or next race? I don't know. I feel like. Like you said, every time that they said that there's kind of been rumor mills sparking, it's always actually happened or even some late week information where a driver is going to throw himself into that uh, that penalty. So I think it would happen, uh, obviously, that they did this with Charles a couple of weeks ago with the new hybrid engine that they had been working on very secretively uh, over the past year or so. So I think that, yeah, they would just want to get this in uh, his car as soon as possible and and obviously uh, we're going to see how how well this pays off obviously uh, Charles had a pretty good race last week as well as Carlos but uh, yeah I think it's it's crazy to see I, I feel like I just have not been aware as much of how often this happens about this power unit penalty and starting the back of the grid I don't think we really saw much of this too often last year and in the years prior but uh, yeah I guess with more races I wonder if they're going to have to scale up how many power units each team and each car gets yeah no it, it'll be interesting another another kind of one of those things that's going to throw a little bit of a very welcome monkey wrench into what could be a, a pretty wild race in Turkey so excited for that uh, yeah, and then I think one last recent headline. Uh, did you see the new livery for Red Bull coming out? I did. Little white boy. Do you like it? I, I don't ha like have a massive opinion on it. I don't think it's as cool as the McLaren Golf livery. Um, but, I mean, it's any kind of welcome change like that just to be like, you know, a couple weeks from now, look back and be like, oh, remember Turkey? That was when Red Bull went all nuts. Like, I think that's that's how I look at it. Be like, okay, it's, you know, it's cool. Sure. What's your opinion? <laughs> I don't like it. I don't oh. think it looks cool at all. I think it looks a lot worse than the current livery. Um, yeah, I was. I don't know. It looks very bland, just very old looking to me. I don't know. I'm just was disappointed. I feel like when when teams do this for these kind of special events or um, special weeks uh, to change things up, you got to kind of make it well worth it. And I yeah. I don't think that I don't think they hit the mark on that one. All right, fair enough. I mean, you're gonna make that. Uh, you're gonna put your money where your mouth is and put some predictions behind that then you maybe uh maybe a red bull double retirement 
I don't think delivery has any <laughs> anything to do with the outcome. So you I will not it. double down on that. I just said they look <laughs> whether they win or lose, they're going to look not as cool as they have been. Fair enough. Um, and then a bonus, bonus little PPS headline that I have: Formula One is going green, baby. So uh, it's estimated that there's going to be 1.8 billion cars on the road by 2030, with only 8% of those being like pure battery electrical vehicles. Um, so internal combustion engines, kind of what we know, fossil fuels being burned, will still make up 92% of those cars, yeah? So F1 is responding to that by saying, hey, you know what? We're going to take it on our shoulders. Yeah, there's 1.8 billion other cars on the road, but we got 20 cars every couple of weekends. So we're going to step up, do our part here, and they are developing a 100% sustainable fuel, ideally by 2030. So by 2025, they want to cut it down to uh, to about you know 90% fossil fuels and 10% ethanol. I guess they're going to have to really ramp that up to find a way to make it completely. It's a big, big jumping scale. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but yeah, you know, 100% sustainable drop in fuel designed to help Formula One achieve its goal of being net zero carbon by 2030. Um, can we get you on record by saying, will you also commit to being net zero carbon by 2030, Marco? Yeah, I'm, I feel like. Um... <laughs> yeah, I feel like Apple is going to come out with Apple houses that are just all, I don't know, just like <laughs> Tesla houses. Dude, we're fine. Yeah, I'll be doing it. You got it all figured out. Also, why, why is it on F1's hand to figure this out? Why isn't Exxon? Why isn't like Shell? Why isn't all these other companies that are have a big hand to play in this aren't going to be like, hey, well, let's work on this ourselves. We'll do the new fuel. We'll change the thing. It's like, no, we're going to have this sport actually build and put all their time and money and effort to change this. I didn't understand that at all, but uh, I, I think it would probably make the process a little bit quicker if they have these massive billion-dollar companies, but who am I? Yeah, I mean, what do we know? Their big campaign, F1's Fuel of the Future, a global game-changer, is their campaign that they're running with. Um, it sounds great. I don't know how they're going to do it. I feel like this is kind of, I mean, Stefano Domenicali, the, the leader of F1, I feel like this is him just like kind of throwing a grenade into a room and walking out of it because I don't think he's going to be leading F1 by 2030. So I think it's going to be very honorable for the next couple of years. Like if they don't do it or if they don't achieve this goal, it's going to be very honorable seeming for him to be like, oh, we had this plan. Like I put it forth, didn't end up working out, but at least I was the, you know, at the helm when we were talking about this. So if yeah, you kept me around, we would have done it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If I didn't retire a year before 2030, then they would have happened. But, uh, but yeah, interesting stuff. Um, and yeah, we just got to be fans of uh, of F one for the for the next decade or so and see how this pans out, which is all right with me. All right, let's move on to the driver spotlight. We have a very special one, um, Alex Albon, who uh, there's actually a pretty good amount of information on him that, that I found just kind of researching stuff. So excited to get into that. Before we do that, we do want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor. This portion of the podcast is brought to you by the Green New Deal. No, not that Green New Deal, the F1 Green New Deal. Introducing a brand new initiative from the Formula One overlords, the Green New Deal that promises that by 2030, green will not just be an idea, it will be a lifestyle. That's right, by 2030, F1 vows to put an even bigger focus on getting those sweet, beloved greenbacks stacked up into the bank accounts of the overlords. 0% is the main focus for F1, not 0% carbon emissions or 0% environmental impact or 
you know, anything else, it would be too hard to get down to 0%, but their commitment to 0% decrease in the hundreds of millions of dollars that will go into padding those fat stacked wallets. F1's Green New Deal. We're fucking over the world, but you'll just have to green and bear it. Moving on to our driver spotlight for this podcast leading up to the Turkish Grand Prix. Um, a new guy who's not so new, we've seen him before, um, Alex Albon. You might know him from, you know, depending on when you started watching Formula One, you might know him from being a failed Red Bull racing team project. If you've been watching before that, you might know him as a Toro Rosso driver. Um, but, you know, however you cut it, he is the only second tie driver ever to race in Formula One. The first one since Vira Bongse Banudej. Vira Bongse Banudej, as, you know, I don't have to tell you about him because, you know, he's just a legend in the sport. Got, um, my post, got his poster on my wall? Yeah, I got, I got an autographed, um, yeah, autographed anything from him. Um, he <laughs> oh. was, <laughs> everything. Uh, he was actually, it was kind of funny about him. Like I didn't, I didn't look too deep into him, but very surface level stuff. This dude just rate like Birabongze, um, was racing in like early 1950s. He was like the prince of Thailand, just had a bunch of money. And it was, I mean, kind of like it is now, but even more so where it's just like, Oh, you have money. You can try this. If you, and if you're good enough, you can buy your way into F1. But anyway, back to the real Thai person who we're interested in. Um, you know, Alex, if you've heard him speak, he doesn't necessarily, you know, he doesn't speak with a Thai accent. He speaks with an English accent. He's born in London to parents, Nigel Albon. Um, and I am going to butcher her name, but it starts with a K is his mom. Kanuala Kalam. Um, early life, Albon has been racing competitively since the age of eight back in 2005. Did some British racing championships for karting, but wasn't until 2012 that he got into the Formula Renault 2.0 Euro Cup. Actually kind of sucked in that series. He finished 38 out of 49 total drivers, like not scoring a single point. Um, he did a series called KTR for the next two years where he impressed pretty well, especially toward the end of the year where he got third uh, in the driver's championship total. Um, 2015 comes along and he goes into European Formula 3, finishing seventh overall. Uh, at the end of 2015, signs into ART Racing in GP3, where he's partnered up with Charles Leclerc. That's why they're such good buddies now, and that's why they're always Twitch streaming together. In 2017, he moves up to Formula 2 with ART, um, where he wasn't always great at qualifying, but he did always seem to finish ahead of where he qualified. Like you know, He's good, known for his racecraft, not necessarily for his performances on Saturday. Then in 2018, he moved up to DAMS, or DAMS, um, where he raced with next year's Williams teammate, Nicholas Latifi. Um, he finished third there behind notable names like George Russell and Lando Norris. Uh, and that was 2018. Moved on to Formula E in 2019. This is where there's a little bit of a twist in the story because he signed on to Formula E in 2019. But before he raced a single race in the electric series of Formula E, uh, he actually got an opportunity and was signed by Toro Rosso. So they scooped him up before you know he even saw a single lights out. Um, didn't have a podium at Toro Rosso or anything like that. Like I think that car wasn't necessarily capable of. It, it was kind of like a, I would say probably around the range of like an Alfa Romeo right now. Um, but he still performed better than his teammate Daniel Kvyat, well enough to earn 
the second Red Bull seat for the second half of 2019 after Gasly had a bit of a, of a stinker of a season and, and they demoted him down to the junior team. So, uh, you know, it's, it's easy to remember Alex's tough 2020 year just because of recency. Um, but at the end of 2019, he was putting up, you know, awesome performances that, you know, the year before that difficult 2020 year, he was finishing in the top four, top five, top six, uh, for, for almost every race, uh, except for one where I think he was, there was a retirement or actually that was the one that he was spun out by Lewis in Brazil. Oh, Lewis fucked him over. So, um, yeah, you know, he was like a very solid driver. There was a lot of anticipation, but I think he just never really clicked with the 2020 car. Um, and then, you know, he obviously got put onto the hot seat, just seemingly not being able to hold a candle to Max's performances. Wasn't until nine races into the 2020 season before he got his first podium with Red Bull. But, you know, by that point, I think, uh, you know, thinking back, a lot of the pundits were saying, like, it's probably just a little too, like, too little too late. Um, but regardless, took this year off as, you know, serving as the Red Bull. Uh, but regardless, you know, even after taking this year off serving as the Red Bull reserve driver, he is coming back into F1 for the 2022 season uh, with an improving Williams car that should give, you know, room for excitement. So, you know, as pretty bad as he was in, in the Red Bull, uh, especially in 2020, you know, he was always solid with the car that was, you know, somewhere in the midfield or between mid to, to you know, to the back of the midfield. So, um, yeah, I think that's on track stuff. Plenty of, of excitement in his life. He's still very young. He has a lot of time ahead of him to kind of form his legacy and, you know, perfect, perfect uh, minor setback for a major comeback type story, or at least the potential for that. So that's on track stuff. Off track stuff. He's a uh, he's a pretty big gamer. He's always on Twitch uh, with Charles Leclerc, Lando Norris, George Russell sometimes, um, and you know other stuff. I think Drive to Survive covered this a little bit, but his mom is kind of a big story. Um, she was put away on fraud charges when I think he was in his teens. Um, the actual reason that she went away was a little bit murky. I couldn't find definitely fraud related, but whether it was selling fraudulent designer bags or putting some fraudulent activity with automobiles, like wasn't super clear, but it was clear that she was in the slammer for a little while. Alex is the oldest of his siblings. So he kind of had to step up there and, um, said, you know, obviously it was super hard to see, uh, to see his mom go away. Not necessarily activity that you would think that a Buddhist would do, but that is what he and his family are. So, um, yeah, Buddhist in the, in the slammer for, for committing some fraud. So, um, you know, personal life, currently dating professional female golfer, Lily Munuhi or Hey, um, and yeah, I, you know, seems to be doing well. Like obviously 2020 sucked for him, but, uh, but the trajectory he's on seems to be, uh, seems to be, like I said, a lot of excitement, a lot of potential for forming the rest of his legacy. Um, it, like kind of moving on to an opinion part of this highlight. Um, I think, you know, it seemed especially like when I was researching him, like he's a really, really solid driver. And a lot of other F1 drivers have uh, have said kind of that same thing. Like, you know, he's, he's kind of made to look like this young kid, doesn't know a whole lot, like super inexperienced. But if you look at his track record, like at ART, like he was, he was pretty baller. So um, yeah, you know, never putting in performances like Max. I think, I think trying to hold a candle to Max is just too tough. 
Um, but yeah, I think you know with a car that's not at the very front of the grid, I think this could. My hope for him at least is that it's kind of like a, a Gasly situation where the car's not great. You know, it's, it's not probably not a championship winning car or, or not even a you know podium winning car. Um, like at, for the end of the season in the in the constructors championship, but I expect like at least a couple of good you know solid performances, maybe a podium if we're lucky. So yeah, that's everything I have on uh, on old Albon. We'll be seeing a lot more of him coming next season. Yeah, really excited to see him back on the grid. Uh, it's been fun seeing him just kind of pop in and out. Well, you see every now and then, uh, you know, on these tracks, uh, and yeah, always just like a happy kid. I feel like he's just like a good good human yeah. being so someone you kind of want to root for so yeah yeah um, yeah that was that was uh interesting thanks for that roundup <laughs> moving right along to our about the track so obviously this weekend we have the turkish gp coming up the turkish grand prix is about 5.338 kilometers or 3.32 miles around that's going to end up to be about 58 laps uh, this track is actually designed by none other than the famous Herman Tilke, who has designed a number of F1 tracks. Uh, very famous. I think one of the most famous F1. He was an engineer, F1 designer, track designer. Um, and so this track is actually located an hour's drive east of Istanbul. It was built in August of 2005, costing roughly $40 million. I think Dang. dollars. Yeah, a little a little pricey. The first race happened on August 21st of 2005. So track was built in August 2005. First track within the same month. So really no downtime finishing the track and having the Grand Prix there. The race was part of the F1 circuit from 2005 to 2011 before making a return in 2020 due to the schedule changes, of course, from COVID. The reason they stopped in 2011 was due to lack of agreement from annual costs. So uh, race organizers claimed that the hosting fee was way too high, while F1 said that there was little profitability in Turkey. They weren't advertising well. They wanted to double the cost of the seats. And so just uh, some rifts between Turkey themselves, Istanbul, and Formula One. Uh, there's no doubt that this track is one of the best tracks ever. Everyone's uh, A lot of people have said that this is uh, one of Herman's best tracks he's built with parts of the circuit having been compared to over the years to similar features of Spa, Interlagos, which is in Brazil, as well as Laguna Seca, which is in California. The crown jewel of this inner city Istanbul Park, however, remains turn eight. So this is an incredibly fast, bumpy, multi-apex downhill left-hander that's really, really difficult for a driver's commitment. You're not going to see a ton of overtakes during this turn eight. And if you look on the map of it, it's just a very, very long, wide turn left-handed turn when you do see overtakes i think they're going to be very impressive a lot of skill goes into taking this and you know just getting it on the right line the entry to turn 12 will actually have a good amount of overtakes or skirmishes there's actually two drs zones here as i mentioned earlier has been compared to very fun tracks spas also obviously a, a very great track and um and uh, these other two tracks the little research i did seem to be uh, high praise tracks as well so I think overall, this is going to be a, a very interesting, uh, fun track to watch. Obviously had uh, some fiasco last year, obviously, as we'd said, with all that rain, uh, just being at a new, newly paved track, there was a lot of issues there as well. So hopefully they got that under wraps, but, uh, you know, who knows with this stuff, especially because talking about the track, we also talk about the weather. And with this weather, good chance of additional craziness so friday is going to be no rain cloudy 72 saturday 70 percent chance of rain 
with 70 degree weather. Sunday, 50% chance of rain. Weather is 68. So it looks like we're, you know, just another sea of water here uh, to go with. And so with this track that's had these difficulties of drivers kind of staying on the track, not slippering, what better way than to just fuck it all up even more and throw some water on there? Yep, dump it all on. Let's let's throw some oil on there just to, to make it extra exciting and, and have those guys slipping around. So Each driver yeah, gets three banana peels. <laughs> yeah. we, we need a, a blue shell to just blast Lewis up. Well, that's, uh, you know, <laughs> don't they call Max a blue shell? Because he, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like that, <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> Bang. Um, awesome, yeah. I I mean, okay, so we, we talked about how there were some slippage uh, issues last year. Obviously, it's going to be raining this year. Can we get a formal Marco prediction on how many cars are going to retire from this race? Exact number? Four. Four? What about yourself? I'll say five. Okay. Yeah, one up me. Cool, man. Sick. Yep. That's um, what I do. Yep, what that's what I'm best at. <laughs> you are very good at that. Uh, yeah, so that does it about the track. Uh, we will move on to our final sector of the day. We got our race predictions, but of course, before we get to race predictions, we have another ad for our sponsor. And I don't know if you can see this. Do you know what this is? Do you see this? Uh, is it the Birds Aren't Real business card? Uh, you're close. I am now officially a member of the Birds Aren't Real Club. It's got my signature on there. It's got the member of the Bird Brigade himself's signature on there. So I, I mean, just one of the most proud moments of my life. Called my mom immediately, told her all about it. She did not like it. I She thought I was losing it. But you know what? <laughs> I don't care. And I just want to say, again, please check out birdsaren'treal.com. They are going on tour currently on, thir- on Wednesday today. Uh, they were actually playing out and doing um, a calling. I don't know what you really fully call it, but they're uh, gathering uh, some of the other members, some some bird truthers in Kansas. They're going to go to Chicago. I think they have a couple other, Baltimore, I believe, a couple other locations. So be on the lookout for them. Be repping. Be checking it out. Even if you're not in these areas, be on the lookout for these damn birds. Look at them. See what's, you know, check them out on the phone wires. See them charging. I don't know if there's sparks going on with them, but I've seen some sketchy stuff recently. I'm on the lookout. Of course, there happens to be, while they're in Kansas, a Pitbull concert going on the same day. So obviously this is big government trying to pull away from a lot of the masses, pull them on to the, one of the greatest performers on earth of Pitbull. So yeah, just like, just things aren't adding up. I'm just going to say that. Put your curious hats on, be on the lookout, check out birdsaren'treal.com forward slash Marco. Now fault. We're actually going to, we're working on that. We're working on that promo. Don't have to put it in yet, but we're going to get there. <laughs> Take the truth tour at birdsaren'treal.com. Join the movement. I think these are, this is our first repeat sponsor. Yeah, I believe I, so. I think yeah. they've been a sponsor before. Oh, they sure have. Yeah, absolutely. Man, dude, yeah. that's exciting that yeah. we're getting some uh, some people coming back. It's yeah. shocking that yeah. nobody's wanted well, to come I know. Back. A lot of the other ones here, and they're like, you know what? We don't want to pay all this lot of money <laughs> to come on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, and we're talking. Our quote is high. Yeah, yeah. People laugh at it when, and we're like, no, we're serious. Yeah, no, yeah, it's not funny. We're not joking around here. All right, perfect. Yeah, I did see that they put out a statement on Instagram. I think yesterday or the day before that their show is not a comedy show. No, uh, some <laughs> people have very incorrectly 
just kind of assumed, and you yeah. know what happens check when yourself. you assume. Check yourself. You make a you make an ass out of your bird believing bitch face. So uh, yeah, definitely, yeah. I, I agree with you that these people need to get a grip on what's actually going on. If you're not outraged, you're not paying attention. Um, but uh, but yeah, moving on to moving on to our race predictions. Uh, let's see, quick check on where things stand right now. I am leading Marco by a measly one point, seventeen points to sixteen points. It's a real cracker of a race here. Um, I have five, or Marco has five Mazepin counts left. I have six, and we both have one Lewis winner uh, card to play. So uh, with that, let's get into it. Race predictions. Marco, give me who you think is going to crash or DNF. I'm going to go with Sergio Perez. Uh, he has been struggling Ooh. the last couple of weeks. Uh, I think that, that he's going to get a little bit of pressure under him, make some moves he doesn't like, uh, that he's forced to do, which we've seen a lot this year, um, some some interesting moves. So, yeah, I think he's. Uh, he, we're going to see you later for old Sergio. All right. Well, that is inconvenient because I have him uh, in a couple of my other choices, but I'm going to go with Yuki Sonoda. Not really, uh, not making it to the finish line. I did see that he he mentioned that he bought his own simulator and he was racing in his own simulator. So good for him. I don't know if it's going to help, but good for him. Can't and hurt. Maybe a waste of money because sure I don't think he's going to be in F1 very long. Hey, he's got another year. Uh, <laughs> is he on next year? Oh, he's back, baby. Oh, he's back. You thought you got rid of him. He's back. Um, well, so funny enough that your DNF is going to be Sergio Perez because I'm going to put him as my winner. Uh, I think Sergio's going to take this one home. I think I uh, don't really have a good reason behind it, so give me your winner. Yeah, I'm going to go with Valtteri once again. Uh, I think he's just, you know, he's he's driving looser ever since the, the switch. So, yeah, I think okay. he's just driving a little bit with less nerves. And, yeah, I think we're going to see a good showing from, from old Valtteri. Uh, we got last place. I'm going to go with Nicholas Satifi. I just feel bad always picking the Haas boys. Well, way to team me up for that. I'm going to pick the hospital of Michael Schumacher. Uh, yeah, put me down for him. Not, uh, yeah, bringing up the rear for last place. Um, our Crypto.com Most Overtakes Award for the Turkish Grand Prix. Give me Pierre Gasly. Hopefully some kind of slip up during qualifying. Um, puts him, you know, maybe gets him out in Q2 and he can make his way up the grid. What about you? I'm going to utilize this rumor mill that we've been having and with Carlos Sainz potentially being in the back of the grid during due to a penalty for a new power unit, I think that he's going to have the most overtakes. I am going to hope for a Carlos Sainz early crash out. So put me for, like my guess for, uh, or my prediction for, who do we think will crash or DNF? I'm going to put Yuki, but in parentheses, I'm going to put Carlos Sainz. Oh, so you just get to double the picks? Yeah, basically that's what's <laughs> okay. going on. Moving on to driver of the day, I'm going to put uh, Sergio Perez for a wonderful, I mean, I, he's. I, we've already established that he's going to win. Uh, so, put me, yeah, awesome drive from Sergio. Congratulations in advance. We don't really see the double down dog from Ian too much. I feel like this is usually my master class of fuck up. So, I'm glad to see you put <laughs> really, you know, going all out for it. Uh, I'm going to go with Charles. I think that you got another week under his belt with the new power unit, the new engine, uh, the hybrid unit that they've got in there. So, yeah, getting some more comfortability in there. And it seems like it's uh, got some good pace in it. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Charles. Love it. Uh, Up next, we got our douche of the day. Uh, Brought to you by Summer's Eve. Brought to you by Summer's Eve. Uh, so obviously, uh, who's going to be, with all this rain going on, you know, who's going to be soaking up that douche juice? Uh, Ian, what's your guess? 
I think the big uh, sham wow of all that douche juice is going to be Max Verstappen. Uh, yeah. Getting a little overzealous. We've seen him. Uh, we've seen him sipping on that DJ before. But uh, yeah, put me down for a little juice sucker on Max. Honestly, I, I wish you get the points on this because yeah, Max. I don't know. Anytime he does something wrong, it's never his fault. Really grounds my gears. I'm gonna go with Kimmy. Um, obviously, you know it's his last year. He doesn't give a fuck. He's got COVID. He's coming off of COVID. Maybe he's just got some you know breathing problems. He's like, I want to head out early. Get get drunk. Move on. Fuck someone else's day up. Gets a head out. So I'm gonna go with Kimmy. Perfect. Also put Kimmy down as my uh, as my second guest there. And then for fastest pit stop, minus Red Bull, uh, put me down for McLaren. The boys in orange. My boys. Alpha Tower. Killing it. Yep, Alpha Tower. Love it. And wild card prediction. I actually have four for these, but you go first with your one. I'm going to say the, the Haas boys. I'm going to say the Haas boys make it. One of them makes it into Q2. Uh, we don't see this I mean, very often. One of them. Dude, I mean, I want, this is still... which one. I, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. One I didn't want to you know, point single one person out and make the other one feel embarrassed. So I'd like to cover both Haas boys. One of them makes it into Q2. <laughs> you think in the Haas garage, the, the, they're, they're like, all right, guys, we need... Uh, we need one of you guys to make it to Q2 for a goal this upcoming weekend. <laughs> like, well, I mean, like, obviously, I know a lot of people in that Haas garage listen to Ian Asphalt, and for them to get the words being like, oh, they really have no, like, encouragement for Mazepin, I just, I don't want that in their heads. So, yeah, I'm going to say yeah. be equal, be nice to both of them. One of them's going to make it. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my probably not going to happen wild card prediction. My first one uh, is Gasly podium hasn't happened since Baku. <laughs> I'm just kidding. This is my only one, but my other two are real. Uh, Gasly podium hasn't happened since Baku. Uh, but yeah, put him up there. I feel I just feel a good race from Gasly. I feel like this is going to be one of the uh, one of those races where the Alpha Tauri has two completely different races for each different racer. Um, I think Yuki's going to go out early. I think Gasly's going to end up on that podium, sipping that bubbly. Well, all right, yeah, some highs and lows for old Alpha Tower. I like it. Yeah, and maybe even a fast. Hey, yeah, man, one. they would have a hell of a weekend there. Uh, I mean, it'd be an eating asphalt. Uh, yeah, eating asphalt guarantee. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that obviously does it to, for our race predictions, and that does it for episode thirty-three of the EA podcast. As always. Really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen. Really excited for this weekend. We will be obviously on the Twitter sticks, Twitter fingers, Instagram fingers. Uh, Apparently we have a uh, TikTok as well. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Got to learn how to do the TikToks. But Ian uh, is our huge young generation grabber. (laughs) So yeah, he's going to be posting a lot of fun stuff. So be on the lookout for that as well. Yep. Trying to dip my toes in the old TikTok. We'll see. I will say it's the biggest time suck I've ever seen, dude. I thought Instagram and Twitter might have eaten up my day, but dude, TikTok, you can be on there for 45 minutes and think that you've only been on there for a couple seconds. It's incredible. Chinese technology coming leaps and bounds. Uh, and yeah, that's all that I have. We appreciate everybody listening. Go to Shuru's Gotler. That's see assholes in Turkish. I love it. That is incredible. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, what he said. Your face. Your face was like, what the fuck was that? I knew there was something about that, and I just, I was like, I don't get it. But uh, hell yeah. Let's go. See assholes in American, because I'm America, America, but also the Turkish one, too. All right. See See you guys.